0: We're going to go ahead and, and, and dive into this message, uh, this message that I'm really excited about. We started last week. It's titled, Why? And so we are on part two, and we really began to ask that question. I feel like right now our, our church and believers and our society is asking this question, And I believe it's a healthy question we can ask, and I believe God loves it when we ask Him the tough questions. And I believe when we ask Him the tough questions, He provides answers in His Word if we search it out. And so let's look at that first point that we used last week. This was really our foundational, our question, the foundational point that we we kicked and launched this this two-part sermon series off with. And so we said, God, if you're good... God, if you love us, God, if you're with us, then why? Why is our economy crashing? Why are people getting sick and dying? Why is everybody uh, living in fear? Why do we have to wear masks? Why do we have to wear gloves? Why is Walmart uh, practically closed down, allowing two people in at a time? Why do we have to live this way, God? Why all the sickness, the disease, and death? Why all the evil, the murder, the rape, and abuse? Why all the poverty, the lack, and starvation? Why all the pandemics, epidemics, and natural disasters? And why, God, COVID-19? If you love us, if you're with us, then why do we have to experience and live and go through all these things? Why, why does a, a, an eight-year-old boy or eight-year-old girl have to, have to uh, grow up and, and find out they got cancer? And why does a family that loves Jesus have to go through something like that? if you really love us? And that's a good question to ask. But as a pastor, I'm here to tell you God does not cause those evil things to happen. God is good, and you gotta write that down, not just in your notebook, not just in your Bible. You gotta write that on the tablet or of your heart that God is good, that God loves you, that God's got your back. And these things happen because we live in a a fallen world, and so I want you to hear me this morning, don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. Because it's the scheme of the enemy, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to question God and his goodness. How did Satan fall from heaven? He began to question God's goodness, and he wanted to be God. And we'll do the same thing if we're not careful. It's okay to ask good, healthy questions. But we can't buy that lie because if we buy the lie, now I'm offended with God, I don't believe and trust fully in God, and how can I stand up and defend a God that I don't fully trust out in the world? And so don't buy the lie, you gotta know that God is good. Let's look at Judges six thirteen. This was a really our foundational scripture. Uh, we find Gideon in this, in this scripture here in Judges chapter 6, verse 13. Uh, And the angel appears to Gideon and says, "Uh, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us. Sound familiar? I know some of y'all have been praying this way the last couple weeks. God, Lord, if you're with us, Gideon says, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. No matter how you feel. Remember everything God has already done for you. No matter how you feel, remember everything that God has done for you. And the Holy Spirit was showing me as I was studying this week, going back over to the scripture, Gideon, he already says to the angel, didn't God God provided miracles, signs, and wonders, and did he bring us out of Egypt? He says that God is a miracle, a maker, but yet the next thing he says is, if so, where, why has he abandoned us now? And see, you gotta, you got to see and remember what God has done in your life. It proves his goodness. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, part of the sea, and miracles. They walked on dry ground, fresh manna from heaven. And so God's done some miracles in your life. He's set you free from, from drugs or alcohol, pornography. He's set your family free. You've broken generational curses. You've, you've experienced a goodness like you've never have. And so just because we're going through something tough, the enemy wants you to get your mind focused off of what God's done and focus on what he's not currently doing. And so you got to remember the miracles that God has, has done in your life. And guess what? If he's, done it, if he's done it for me once, he will do it again. He loves you. He loves us. He's got us. If he did it for me once, he will do it for me again. The enemy wants us to feel abandoned, but I'm here to tell you, you're not alone. All you got to do is call on the name. Of Jesus, and everything must bow. Amen. Let's look at that first point we said last week. So really we're going to go through four foundational truths that we are going to use to answer this question of why God. If you're good, then why? And so you got you to have these four foundational truths rooted in your spirit, in your life, uh, in your quiet time, and confessing it over yourself and over your family. These four truths that we're going to give you today Before we get to the the three new ones that we're going to give you, let's recap and and hit this one we gave you last week. So we said the first foundational truth is that God is good and that he is at war with evil. He has already fought for you. I said last week, God proves his goodness based on that gift. God proves his goodness based on his gift, and that gift is is Jesus, and and God's not going to prove his goodness ever again because he 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 gave he offered that up, he gave that to the world freely, he gave it and God says, "All who will come to me, see, confess, and believe that my son is uh, the Son of God, the mighty Lamb of God, sent to save the world if if you confess and believe in him, then eternity is yours, a blessed life is yours, and so God proves that he's good by offering up that gift, and it proves that he's at war with evil. Why did Jesus have to be crucified, nailed to a cross, whipped, beaten beyond recognition, hung naked on a cross for the world to see? Because that's how God defeated evil. That's how God defeated evil, was that Jesus had to be raised up, and God's already proven that, and he's not gonna prove it again. And did you know that God doesn't owe you anything more, anything more, that that's enough, that that's sufficient? And so God has fought for us, and he's continuing to fight for us. It says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, ever, ever seating in prayer and supplication for those that he loves and cares about. So, if you feel like you're alone and the world is crazy and chaotic and there's nothing you need, Jesus is is interceding at the Father like, an, like the best money could buy, a lawyer could buy, uh, is doing for you. Pleading saying, no, Father, mercy and grace. Favor, appointment, anointing, gifts, talents. God, no, grace. That's what Jesus is doing. For us, John three sixteen or seventeen. Y'all know this scripture: For God so loved the world that He gave, right? That He He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, and not just everlasting eternal life, but but life here uh, in this place, this 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 life that we have currently. We can choose life. Verse 17, for God did not send his own son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That the world through him, through faith, might be saved. That God could redeem his creation through his son, his perfect and pleasing sacrifice to defeat the enemy to defeat sin, to defeat the lie, to defeat the devourer in our lives so that the world through him might be saved. When Jesus said it's finished, I'm across, read that scripture last week, when Jesus said amen and he released his spirit, did you know that it's finished? I know that you know that he said that, but did you believe that it's really finished? Because if you do, it was in that moment that the the fight for your soul was won. Jesus did it. The fight for your soul was won. But it was in that moment that your responsibility of your life and of your faith began to take place. And it was also in that moment that God defeated evil with good. When Jesus said, amen, it's finished, the enemy lost, sin lost, death lost. Do we all have to die? Yes, but that's the first death. There's a second death also. And if we have Jesus, then we're promised eternal life in heaven with the Father and all of his angels and believers. It's promised to us, amen? So God proves that he's fighting for us. He's fought for us, amen? Let's look at that, that, that next point your first new point that we're giving you this morning, the second foundational uh, truth of, of defending the answer of why God that we have to know is we live in a fallen world cursed by sin. And the curse of sin brings decay and death to everything. If you're sitting watching with your family, I want you to look at somebody and say everything. Everything. Sin, sin, And the curse of sin brings death and decay to everything and everyone. Everything and everyone is affected by this curse of sin in our lives. And we live in this fallen world, and we have to deal with sin and curse and death and decay because of the choice that Adam and Eve, the first man, the first woman, made. And, and because of that choice that they made, they had it made in the garden. They were living in paradise. They walked and talked and communed with God every day. But because they disobeyed, they passed that sin, that curse, generationally onto us. And so I said last week that you don't, have to, you don't have to teach your kids how to lie, right, or how to disobey, or, or to be bad, to be evil, even. That sometimes some kids do some crazy stuff, and we don't have to teach them how to do that, right, because it's just natural. We're born into sin. We have to teach them the good things, and how to tell the truth, and how to be good. It's because that Spirit of God has to come alive inside of us. And so everything and everyone is affected by this curse of sin, Wives, families, our cars and our homes are under the curse of death and decay, right? That's why you got to fork out $1,000 on your transmission. Or you got to fork out $5,000 on your air unit when it goes down. And we live for God and we're saying, God, I, I go to church and I tithe and, and, and God, if, uh, I love you. And if I love you, why did my air unit just go down and i got to spend $5,000 to fix it? And the answer is not that God is, is bad, God is good, and God loves you and he cares about you, but the fact is it broke down because of the curse of death and decay. We live in a fallen world. And so, but here's, here's kind of some good news you can take comfort in. We're not alone in our sufferings. We can take comfort in knowing that I'm not the only one that has to deal with death and decay and sin in my life because it comes against any and everyone. You know, God's no respecter of curses, I mean, no respecter of persons, but you know what, the curse of sin is no respecter of persons either. It affects all of us and we all have to deal with it. We all experience loss and pain, hardships and death. Y'all, even Jesus had to experience sufferings. He was perfect, perfect, and they nailed him to a cross. So you are not alone in your sufferings. You are not alone in this crisis. I know we're having to stay home order, and we feel alone, and we feel isolated, but you are not alone in your sufferings. We are in this together. We are in this together. Let's read Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So there it is. The wages of sin is death. Because man sinned against God, the wages of that is death, is curse, is decay, is sin. Before that they disobeyed God, there was no sin into the world. But because of that, now it brings death. Romans 8, 19-23. It says, I love this scripture, Paul is laying this out, this truth for us, in Romans. And at verse 19, it says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, the curse of sin. But with eager hope, I just want to stop there for a second. We have to have eager hope. Man, do you have eager hope right now? Do you have an eager hope of something better and greater? Are you, are you declaring by authority that this too, this season will pass? Or are you stuck in bondage and fear and worry and doubt and sucked into the news cycle uh, and the Facebook cycle? Or are you, are you, uh, do you have an eager hope Like all creation has, uh, as as Paul says here, verse 21, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Did you know that Jesus' sacrifice is so good that even creation will be redeemed because of the blood spilled by man? That even creation, and, and creation groans and cries, God, salvation, the day of salvation. This has to be the way that we live. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, and we believers also groan, even though we have had the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope of the day when God will give us our full rights, somebody say full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. The Holy Spirit is a deposit. God, Jesus said it's important that I go, and it's even more important that I send my Holy Spirit to be with you as you wait for the day of salvation. Because that Holy Spirit is a deposit. It's a guarantee of better things to come. And you got to rely on that Holy Spirit every day to help us stay in this place of eager hope and the an eager future and glory that we have to see and speak over ourselves. And so hear me, in the midst of adversity, we must stay vigilant, hopeful, and heavenly-minded. We have to stay hopeful, vigilant, and heavenly-minded. We have to think of spiritual things. We have to be thinking of heaven and in hell as real things. We can get so sucked into this world that we're in, in our lives and our jobs and the things that we have, and the things we're taking care of, the things that we don't have, the things we're striving for, and, and we lose sight that there's a real heaven and there's a real hell, and this is only temporary. This is only temporary. And so we have to, we have to be heavenly minded as we live for him, follow him, and especially through this the season that we are in as a state and as a nation, we have to begin to speak life uh, wherever we go. Let's look at that third point. So this third foundational truth as to why God is, is simply because we sin. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we're exempt from choosing sin. Sin no longer controls me or us, but I still have to choose or I still have to choose Jesus when I wake up in the morning. And so we sin and it's our sinful choices that have negative uh, repercussions in our lives. I love this. We, We implode and we explode based on those choices. We can choose to implode or explode based on the choices that we choose. Remember, God doesn't allow evil, but he does allow people, his creation, to make choices. They, make, they, can, they can choose life or they can choose death. They can choose hope or they can choose despair. And so we, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But it's no longer the sin that controls us but we still sometimes have a tendency to make the wrong choices. And this is why evil abounds in the world, because people are continually making the wrong choices. So hear me, when we take our eyes off of him, when we're not heavenly minded, when we're not spiritually focused, when, I, when we take our eyes off of him and focus on ourselves, we make bad choices. It's that simple. When you take your eyes off of him and focus on me, myself, and I, I make bad choices. I make the wrong choices. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like driving a car. And Jesus is the road. You know, when you're driving your car, you gotta keep your eyes on the road. You know what? But also as I'm driving... I gotta be checking my mirrors. I have to check my rearview mirror from time to time, just to make sure I'm I'm doing okay. I got somebody on me. I gotta check my side view mirrors. I, I gotta I gotta check things. But my focus has to be on the road. And this is what happens when I lose sight of my focus on Jesus, on God. If I'm not looking at the road as I'm driving, see, I'll be stuck looking in my rearview mirror. If you're driving and you're just looking in your rearview mirror the whole time, what's gonna happen? You're gonna crash. You're gonna get in the ditch. So maybe that rear view mirror is your past. All you can do is focus on your past. Or all you can do is focus on your, your job right now. Maybe you lost your job and you're supposed to be driving, looking at the road, focusing on Jesus, declaring promises and healing and wholeness, and you're just looking in the rear view mirror and you're making bad choices. You're crashing to other people. Or you know, maybe you're, you're focused on your side view mirror, you're focused on your family, uh, and all the things that are going on and all the chaos and maybe somebody's sick or, you know what, and you're not focused on Jesus. You're not focused on the road. See, I'm supposed to focus on Jesus, but I check those things out as I'm, as I'm living, as I'm praying, as I'm doing things. I have to check in on those things, but I can't consume me. When those things other than God consume me, I make bad choices. Sin can enter in. In my life. We have to keep our eyes on him. If we choose our flesh over the spirit and that's what happens that's really what we're doing. We're not focused on him. We're saying I'm going to focus on myself and my flesh and what I can do and what I can control and, and I'm not trusting God by faith because I'm trusting myself to fix it. And so when I choose flesh over spirit that's when we implode and we explode. Spiritually. And it's only the Spirit that can truly sustain us and provide us with that peace that we desire. That peace that you desire can only come from Him, by Him, through Him. You cannot buy that peace. Some of y'all have tried buying that peace through drugs and alcohol and pornography and escape. You're stuck in your flesh and you're trying to escape your flesh. The only way you can escape your flesh is to ask His Spirit to come in. And when his spirit comes in, I begin to make better choices. I begin to live in faith. I begin to speak life. In Jesus' name. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. I love this. Laying out the works of the flesh. It's the choice of, of operating in my flesh or operating in the spirit that's been in and paid for, for me for me to use and given to me freely. And so it says, now the works of the flesh are evident. And they are this, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, adultery, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, murder drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the problem. See, as we read through those, we think, oh, I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. So I, I the thing is, it, it, we do one of them. You may not be a murderer, but you might be an adulterer. You might struggle with adultery. And anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God is an idol, a false God. Anything you place over God where he's supposed to be, that is sin. It has to be redeemed by, by confessing it as sin and asking God to forgive me of for that sin. and He's well able to do that. But if I continue to, to deny and lie to myself that I'm not doing that thing, I may have not killed somebody, I may have not molested somebody, they deserve uh, judgment uh, and the death penalty and all these things, but I just struggle with selfishness and pride. So we we gauge sin. (laughs) Oh, this sin's worse uh, than this sin. Y'all, God sees sin. It is all the same. And so this is what happens when we don't live by the Spirit. We live this way. And so I know maybe some of y'all have been reading that and thinking, you know what, I've been there, I've done that, I've lived that way, I've rode that ride, I'm done, hallelujah. Jesus has saved me, redeemed me, set me free from them things. Come on. He's done that for me in my life. You know what, I don't want to go back, and I'm not going back in Jesus' name. Verse 22. Now he counteracts what he just says. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against which there is no law. These things are good. They don't just bring Him glory. They make our world a better place. They make you a better person. They make your family a better person. They make your ministry a better better. They make your job better. God wants to make you better. Jesus is the cure for sin. <laughs> He's the cure. Jesus is the cure for COVID-19. It has to bow at his feet. As I was praying and, and studying and going through this this week, I've I read this scripture a million times. And don't you just love when the Holy Spirit reveals something new uh, His word is ever-living, uh, and it speaks, and it's truth. And You know, I just, I just had this thought. I came from the Holy Spirit, and it says, at the beginning there, at verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And I was just thinking of it as all these things, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, like a fruit, but, but what happens with the fruit? You gotta, it grows on a tree, right? And so it's this simple, to choosing my flesh, Death, sin, lying, deceiving, or or, or choosing the spirit, which is life and hope and joy and peace and all these things. It's so simple. I want you to to close your eyes and picture maybe your favorite fruit. I don't know what it is. I like apples and oranges. Uh, Whatever your favorite fruit is, something that grows on a tree. And this is your life. We are just circling this fruit tree. And you get to pick. All you got to do is pick The fruit. And I bet, if you're like me, if I'm circling that tree, I'm picking the best, juiciest looking fruit that there is. I'm not picking one that's got got brown on it, or or lumps on it, or uh, it's it's, it's not fully uh, healthy yet, it's not ready to be picked. I'm picking the biggest, juiciest one that I find. And that's what it's like when we pick and choose the fruit of the Spirit. So why, why do we pick, when I, when I don't choose the fruit of the Spirit, I, I, I pick that nasty old fruit that ain't ready. When, when I choose uh, uh, hate or pride or anger or jealousy. That's what it looks like. I, I pick the wrong fruit. I pick a dead fruit from a tree and I eat of it. God says, pick the fruit of the Spirit. And when I pick the right fruit, I make good choices. When I pick the right fruit, I I, I pick love instead of hate. I pick pick joy instead of depression. I I, I pick kindness instead of hatred. I pick goodness and faithfulness instead of doubt and fear. All you got to do is pick. Pick the right fruit. Let's look at that last point. We're going to give you today. This fourth foundational truth is that we got to realize is this God is in charge. Our Harley Pond folks hear me say this all the time God is large and he's in charge. But this is something maybe you you don't know and you haven't recognized. Uh, But Satan right now is in control. We'll prove that to you through scripture. So God is in charge, but Satan is in control of our sinful world and its systems. And we are living currently in a war zone. I don't know if you know that, but we are currently living in a war zone, a spiritual war zone. And if you're not doing your quiet time daily, if you're not uh, just talking with him on a regular basis throughout your day, if you're not praying, uh, if you're not uh, trying to grow in your faith doing devotionals, all these types of things, you are going to lose. You're going to lose the fight. You're going to lose the war. Jesus is fighting for you. Yes, but you have a responsibility that only you can can, can take up. Paul says, I I take up my cross daily. Jesus had a cross. He was perfect and they crucified him. you got to know that we as believers have a cross that we have to bear. And so but, but hear me. So, 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 so God is good. I hope you know and believe that. He's not surprised with all the sin, the, the stuff that's going on in the world. He loves us. Okay, you can trust him. He's your refuge. He's your high tower. You can go to him for rest. Uh, and he is in charge. But technically right now, Satan, the devil, the enemy, is in control of our world. He's in control of our world. And, and I can prove to you, just look at our government the way that it's, it's trying to operate, it's, it's in our movies, it's in our entertainment, it's in our schools. There's abortion running rampant in, in the world. Uh, agendas, the, the enemy, the devil, is in control right now of this place. He's dug in. And he's not going down without a fight. The devil is dug in. And if we don't fight him, who will? 1 John 5, 19, chapter 5, verse 19. Here it is. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control, there it is, of the evil one. The whole world, yes, we're children of God. Yes, we're called, we're favored. Uh, But right now, The whole world is under control of the evil one. And I know a lot of times we say things like, as we're comforting people, and we don't mean nothing by it, and there's nothing wrong with saying it, but we say things like, God's in control, and God's in charge. But technically, right now, the world has been surrendered, released really to the control of the evil one. Who is leading and and people astray and and, and sin and chaos and murder and all these things are running rampant because the enemy is, is out doing business. He's out causing warfare. And so I want you to ask this question Who and what am I following? Who and what am I following? Am I really, really, really following Jesus? Am I really following Jesus? because if I'm not, I'm probably being led astray. I may have bought some lies. I may not know the full truth. I may have some sin that I need to confess. Maybe me and God ain't as right as I think that I am. And I got an extra scripture I want to give you this morning. If you got your Bibles, it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, and it's very important that we ask, who am I really following? Because this is a sobering scripture. This is a sobering scripture. Matthew 7, chapter 13 through 14, it says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Wide and broad is the gate of those headed to destruction and narrow is the gate that the few find for life. And so who am I really following? I know some of you feel alone maybe right now. You feel alone, but I got some good news for you. If you feel alone, I can, if I feel alone, it might prove that I'm on the right path because narrow is the gate. If, if I find myself just being led astray with a, a, a herd of people just doing whatever they want, whenever they want, how they want to do it, uh, and I'm, I'm letting those people speak into my life and, uh, and teach me and lead me and guide me, they are leading me astray and wide is broad as that path that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate for those who find life. And so if I feel alone, that's okay because I, was, I might be on the right path. That might be proof that I am following Jesus. And you're not alone. Though as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, right? I may fear no evil. David felt alone, but what did he have to do? He had to pivot on that. He had to, he had to declare the goodness of God. He had to remind himself that he's on the right path. God, I, I'm not going by my feelings. I may feel alone. God, but I declare your goodness. And your favor over my life. Let's read Ephesians 2, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 2. It says, You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander on the powers of this unseen world. There it is. The devil, the commander of powers of this unseen world. He is the spirit at work with the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Praise God, we don't have to live like we used to live. He's the commander of the powers of this unseen world. But, but praise God, we're no longer slaves to sin or death. And we've been freed by the spirit of the truth of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. You don't have to live that way just because he's in control of this world. You've been bought for, paid for with a price, the highest price. And you can live free by the spirit of the truth of Jesus Christ that sets you free. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, uh, Peter, I love this scripture. Peter says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The enemy, the devil, roars around like a lion seeking who he may devour. I was thinking and praying about this, and the Lord showed this scripture to me in a new, new light, too. Peter's trying to paint a picture. He roars around like a lion seeking what he can devour. You know what? Getting getting devoured and eaten by a lion would be one of the worst ways to go out. (laughs) That would be a bad way to leave this world, being attacked and eaten by a lion. And so I've read that a million times, but I've never actually thought of it in that way. And this is what the enemy wants to do. Just like a lion eating and killing a carcass, it's brutal. It's bloody know that the animal is still alive as the lion is eating it. As the enemy comes against you, you're still alive, but he is eating you. And what does the lion do? Eats it piece by piece by piece. The enemy comes at war with you by taking pieces of your life at a time. As you're still alive, he wants to take your, your freedom from pornography or your freedom from from uh, alcohol or drugs or your, your family. He takes your life peace by peace, and he seeks whom he may devour. So y'all hear me. you got to be ready to fight for your life, for your family, for your freedom, for your, your peace. you got to be able to stand up and fight back. And get, You're mad at the wrong person. Stop getting mad at God and get mad at the devil who hates you, who's coming against you. We're in a war zone. And we don't fight in the flesh, here's the thing. This isn't a war you can win in your flesh. We experience, you'll experience fear when you don't fight in the spirit. When you fight in your flesh, you experience fear. How do I know I'm fighting the wrong type of battle? You experience fear. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. If I experience fear, I am fighting in my flesh. And so you got to God, I choose faith over my fear. Ephesians 6, chapter 10 through 13. I'm wrapping this up. Final word, he says, be strong in the Lord. I want you to underline that or write that down. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Here's the key. And we have to remain in him. Let him fight your battles for you. He says, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. When I rest in him, he fights for me. I don't have to feel my flesh rise up as I have peace because I know that he is fighting for me and I can be strong in the Lord in his mighty power, in his mighty right hand, right? Chapter or Verse 11, he goes on. This is how we rest in him and let him fight our battles, not be in the flesh, but be in the spirit. We have to put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Here it is. Therefore, put on every piece. Somebody say, every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Y'all, I want you to hear me. It's time to suit up. If you're not already doing this every day, I know a lot of you are. You get up, you do your quiet time, and this is what it looks like. We got to suit up in the armor of God. We got to put on the helmet of salvation declare our salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. God, I'm, I'm righteous in your eyes and in your sight, paid for by the blood of Jesus. The sword of the Spirit is our only offensive weapon. You got to begin to speak God's word to those things going on in your life. The belt of truth. I better, better know his truth and speak truth in the world. And the shoes of the gospel, I got to have the good news wherever I go. I kind of think of it like my favorite superhero is Batman. And my favorite scene in every Batman movie is when he, he goes in the Batcave and he opens that thing up and he's got all the stuff, the gadgets in the suit. And it's so like so nostalgic and it's like there's Bat, he's, he's fixing the suit up. Some stuff's fixing to go down. Batman's fixing to go to war. I want you to hear me, believers. It's time to go to war, it's time to suit up. And if you don't suit up, who's gonna? Your family, your freedom, your life, your hope, your joy, your peace is your responsibility. And so are you going to let the enemy take it? Or are you going to do something about it? We can do something about it. All you got to do is suit up into his presence, into his peace. Rest in him and his strength is made available to you. And so I want you you to uh, close your eyes and bow your heads with me right now. I'm fixing to close. I want you just to begin to pray. If you have a if you have a, a heavenly language, I want you to begin to pray in the Spirit right now. And I'm just going to pray right now that the Holy Spirit uh, speak to you. And if you don't have one, just, just continue to pray and declare God's goodness over you and your home and your family. And I want the Holy Spirit right now to reveal truth to you. Holy Spirit, speak truth to each and every person watching right now. Is there something that is, is offensive to you, God, something I need to surrender to you, Father? Show it to me now like a bright light. Anything keeping me separated from you, God. I, I confess it as sin. God, maybe I've been offended with you. I thought that you've, you've caused these bad things to happen in my life. God, I renounce it as sin. God, I see that it's actually the enemy and the devil and repercussions of sin and a fall in the world why I'm experiencing these things. God, and I literally run to you. I repent. I return to the high place. God, so that I can experience your love. God, and I just declare your love over everyone right now in Jesus' name, that they literally begin to feel your tangible love and peace in their life. God, as we, as we receive your love and peace, God, I pray that you give us your power, your dunamis power right now, Father God, that we begin to, as believers, suit up for the kingdom of God that we begin to be trumpets of truth and righteousness in the world that we begin to speak and mountains be moved God all it takes is the faith of a mustard seed Father God And we believe and we expect for greater things to come God I I curse this coronavirus I curse this attack of the enemy on our government and our economy and families and people and jobs and health of those God and I declare favor and mercy and grace and joy and peace that only can come through you Father Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. If you're watching with us this morning and I, I don't know who you are or where, where you're from or where you're watching, maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Y'all, this is the biggest, the biggest key to your life. You can't begin to walk in these things we're talking about in this type of faith until you've accepted that free gift. And if that's you right now, I want to give you that moment, that opportunity to change your life. So everybody, I want you to pray this out loud. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. This is for somebody who may be surrendering their heart and their life to God right now. And so, so Father God, we pray right now. Heavenly Father, God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he came to be crucified and lifted up for my salvation. God, I'm thankful. I believe in him. And now I call on him to lead me and guide me all the rest of the days of my life. Amen.